Welcome to Masters of Melee. Today, the Awakened Tree and the Green Dragon Wormling face off in the melee, followed by tips and tactics of these foes in the cooldown breakdown. But first we discuss feats versus ability score increases in the warmup. Welcome to the warm-up, where we're going to discuss feats versus attribute points, and whether or not they are a good idea or a bad idea, the do's and the don'ts, and here we go. So feats, they're, uh, they're optional, right? Yeah, so let's go over what feats are to begin with. <clears throat> are you looking at me? <laughs> no, I mean you have the book open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A feat represents a talent or an area of expertise that gives a character special capabilities. It embodies training, expertise, and abilities beyond abilities beyond what a class provides. So uh, it's like getting an additional skill, essentially. Yeah, sounds like it. So feats can sound like they could be very you could be utilized in a way that could boost certain skills you currently already have. They can also be a DM's worst nightmare. So, some examples of some of the feats that are uh, available for players to choose from vary from things like Keen Mind. Yeah, and uh, Grappler. And, of course, the infamous Luck. Yes. Well, Luck E. You forgot the Luck Y. Lucky. Well, I forgot the Y. <laughs> Can't forget the Y. Feats versus attribute points. Uh, you as a DM, D Master B, what do you do in your games? Like, what do you prefer as far as your style when you're DMing? And have you had an experience as a player at being able to determine what you choose as far as attribute points or feats? Uh, feats. So, right now you guys are what, level three? I believe we are. Yeah, um... So that's as high as I've ever got. <laughs> and the first uh, feat you can p pick is level 4, right? So yeah, ability score improvement, level 4. Which is when you can pick a feat instead. That makes sense. So as a DM, I haven't <clears throat> I haven't ran into it yet. I don't I don't see why why you shouldn't be able to pick a feat, but as a player I would I don't I don't think I'd pick one. If I was if I was naturally progressing through the levels from three to four, I don't think I'd pick a feat because I can get a plus one in any attribute I get. Or if I have some odds, I can get two plus ones to, like, if my strength was a 17, I can have an 18 and then I have another plus one. That's one more damage and one more to hit. That's that's a lot. Um, but if I was making a character at level five... And not going through level three, four, one, two, three, four, I think it'd be different. I think I might pick a feat if I was starting at a higher level. Yeah, I haven't really explored that yeah, yet. Yeah. That, that, that's a okay. As far as the games that I've been able to DM, I've had a couple where we've reached levels high enough to receive feats or choose attribute points. And I've noticed that some of the veteran players mm -hmm. will choose to either forego some feats and focus on their attribute points 
because they built their character around specific skill sets that are already included in the class or subclass they've chosen. Mm-hmm. The feats are just like, um, they become garnish, essentially, on the plate of a player class. Yeah. Um, now, it could, it could make a huge difference. For instance, that lucky feat is very powerful. It is very... It could be spammed. It could cause a lot of friction between the player and the DM. It has a lot of potential for nefarious use. It... It is a a feat that is sometimes barred from being used in some circles. Hmm. Well, the way I read Lucky, it's uh, you get three luck points per long rest. So you can choose to give yourself advantage, basically, or choose to give your DM disadvantage, it's only three times a a long rest. So it feels, just looking at it, doesn't feel that important. I mean, almost anyone can get advantage if there's more than one player, as long as you're you're flanking or whatever. But is that that an optional rule, flanking? Uh, I believe so. So the way it reads is when a creature and at least one of its allies are adjacent to an enemy and on opposite sides or corners of the enemy space, they flank that enemy, and each of them has advantage on melee attack rolls against that enemy. And you're right, it is an optional rule. I just I just never thought it was an optional rule. It just makes sense. Yeah, I mean... Common you, sense would dictate that if you got your enemy between yeah. sandwiched between two guys, short of one using like a flail... <laughs> I would assume it would yeah. still be advantage. Yeah. Well, or like if you have literal eyes in the back of your head, correct. You can track two enemies, but that's what flanking Ooh, says. Now you're getting you... a different, totally different. Not so. If you have tremor sense or blind sight, <laughs> are you then flanked? Well, I, I think the way I think the way flanking works is it doesn't matter if you know they're back there. Okay. It matters that you can't literally block two block two hits. That makes sense. From two opposite sides, unless you're like Dritz, but that's because he rolled with disadvantage, but his pluses are so high that it doesn't fucking matter. That makes sense. Yeah. It's it's not that you won't succeed, it's like it's that the likelihood that you succeed is gone down. Okay. So let's go back to So ob- you were you were making a point with flanking. So lucky is basically it's it's advantage or disadvantage. It's advantage on ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws. Or it is disadvantage on attack roll against you. Um, you can get advantage so easily in 5th edition that I don't see it as that big of a problem. I mean, if you, if you role play real well, you get an inspiration, which is advantage. So, eh. That does make sense, yeah. Uh, that, that's just taking luck, Lucky as a feat. There are for several other feats that can be integral to casters, for instance. Like Warcasters uh, is a good feat. Um, Warcaster, you have advantage on constitution saving throws that make you... Uh, that you make to maintain concentration on a spell when you take damage, that is huge. Yes, absolutely. 
You can perform the semantic component of a spell even when you have weapons or a shield in one of your one or both hands. So you can oh, do Naruto you can hand still, signs with one hand. <laughs> yeah, you can, while you're holding your shield, you can still move your fingers enough to... You can still cast your jutsus, yeah. people. You can still cast your jutsus. <laughs> uh, hostile creatures mo- when a hostile creature's movement provides provokes. An op- or provokes uh, an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at the creature. Rather than making an opportunity. Wow, that's huge. Yes. You can, big. you can spell attack instead of just base just a poking with your staff or you're whacking with your wand. <laughs> you can, yeah. Instead of whacking with a wand, you can magic missile that motherfucker. Yes. Which is huge. Yes. It, it so it the feats are very they're they can be powerful, they can be game breaking. And that's why they're optional to yeah. the DM. When you get to level four and all the subsequent levels that allow you to either choose an attribute point or a feat, your DM would have to tell you that that's what you're going to do. You can do feat or you can do attribute point. Um, I think they give a lot of, a lot of power to the DM on this one and rightfully so, because if they all of a sudden have something like Warcaster and you were, you were liking as a DM, the tension and the drama that divulges from having these weaknesses, mm-hmm. patching those weaknesses up might cause the story to go bland, the drama to kind of go away. It then just becomes your caster being a little OP, which in some storytelling settings can be boring. Yeah, but so it, it will probably screw you over in the short run. Because if you're if you're planning on your your casters to be shit at casting, you're gonna plan for it in the weeks to come. But if they 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 take if they take a war caster and and they they have advantage on Constitution saving throws and all they all they ever do is something that needs to take a Constitution saving throw any time they take any damage, then it does change the way the battles kind of uh, happen. But that's a short term problem. After a while, you're like, okay. You can do that at fourth level. The archmage that you're fighting, he's higher level than you. He knows that too. So if if the player can do it, the monsters can do it too. They're not special. So understanding where you're coming from, a hundred percent, I agree with you. The downside of that is mm-hmm. that taking consideration what spells might constitute taking a concentration check if you take yeah. damage, polymorph big one you turn your big bad into an ant or a chipmunk that takes concentration and they can do that up for an hour Mm -hmm. may not be bad in the short term but if they are able to then get that breather where you're supposed to make this big bad a big bad although some creatures do have immunity to polymorph a lot do not and if you throw a big bad at them that cannot win against a polymorph spell or they fail their check their minions may not be able to do any damage. Or they... I mean... Okay, so the most big bads will have minions or some lackeys at battle with them. They could then try to take the shots at the at the caster. But if the caster is going to have advantage on all of their constitution checks for that concentration... Now, here's a way to... If, if... In that example, 
let's say your your caster polymorphs your big bad, do they lose themselves in the creature that they are? I believe they receive all the stats from said creature. But are they basically themselves? What does it say for polymorph? So polymorph uh, targets game stats, or including mental ability scores, are replicated by the stats of the chosen beast. It remains its alignment and personality. So it does know it is not supposed to be a wolf or an ant. So the target assumes the hit points of its new form. When it reverts to normal form, the creature returns the number of hit points it had before it transformed. Mm -hmm. If it reverts as a result to dropping zero hit points, any excess damage carries over in its normal form. As long as the excess damage doesn't reduce the creature's normal form to zero, it is knocked unconscious. So, your wizard is smarter than your player. He gets he gets polymorphed. He views it more as a beast form. If they change him to an ant, that will be one suicidal ant, right? Yes. But if you have smart players, which They'll you always it. have to keep... Jar yeah. it, take it, let's get it to the top to the top of the mountain or get in our airship and let's fly as high as we can and whoop, that's a lot of fall damage. Oh. So feats versus attribute points. You as a DM, where do you finally where would you stand on this? Would you be are you on the fence after this discussion? Uh, are you more uh, leaning towards allowing the feats or are you more more of just allowing the attribute points? Because attribute points, as you know, do make a huge difference, especially when it comes to saves. It does help with patching up, again, any weaknesses the character mm-hmm. might have. Yeah, like if you want to wear heavy armor, mm-hmm. it's a feat. Yep. You still get one attribute, plus you're, now you can wear your plate armor, right? Which, if you were planning on getting plate armor, but you 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 don't have the, or you're, you're minus one to actually wear it, and you don't have the proficiency, that's the only way you can get it now. I can kind of see it. I, I see it. It's got utility. It makes sense. As long as you're not picking things that wouldn't really be in character for your, you know, rogue or something. So you're for it as a DM as long as it fits the character, not yeah. necessarily as as it, just... Yeah, as long as it fits the build. Not the... You wouldn't support min-maxing, essentially. Uh, even that, it would depend. I mean, if you want to min-max, I will min-max my character, my, my monster. Technically, I can roll D... Or I can roll, what? X amount of D12s for my monster that I'm using. I'll just say I rolled them and he got max health. I can min-max too. That's true. <laughs> you want to min-max, I'll min-max. That works. So, yeah, as as far as how I do things, I do, I do whatever. I'm kind of... I do the thing you were saying. Essentially, plan accordingly because mm-hmm. I will hit you with whatever I need to hit you with. Yeah. Will I hold your hand through combat? Probably not. I'll let you see how things are. And for the most part, my... The parties that I've dealt with have it. There's definitely something interesting about the drama and the not knowing whether or not you'll get out of this alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the that's the whole point. Yes, that's adventuring. You mm-hmm. don't know. That's the venturing into the unknown. If it was predetermined, why do it? Exactly. Especially when you're talking about heroes or mm-hmm. adventurers as a whole, they want and they want to seek these thrills. But if they already know what the thrills are, then it's not a thrill. And now is it? Yeah. And also, uh, if it was easy, anyone would do it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, as a, as a DM, I would definitely, I, I allow 
both attribute points mm-hmm. or feats. I don't borrow them from either. I do like the idea of being making it. Um, I like the idea of it being specific to your class or as close as you can within reason, yeah. so that it doesn't take away from the role play aspects or the story. That is also uh, a big factor because there is definitely a, a, a factor of immersiveness that you need to have when you're playing. And if your characters all of a sudden have things that just are uncharacteristic yeah. to their classes, it, it, it can bring you out of that immersiveness pretty quickly, especially if there's not a real reason as to why you have that all of a sudden. Yeah, that, that, that seems like the hard part, part for me. I don't mind people using it. The hard part for me is justifying you having it. So lucky. Why the hell would you all of a sudden be lucky at fourth level? I think the only thing I can think of would be being a halfling. But halflings already have luck. Yes, they do. So, let's say... It would be characteristically feasible that they would then receive a lucky feat as they get stronger the forces of whatever they draw their energy from may the feywild may allow them to have this extra here you go (laughs) so halflings have lucky uh when you roll a one Mm -hmm. on a d20 or on the d20 for an attack roll ability check saving throw you can re-roll the die so yeah as a halfling you, you already re-roll on a 1. Now you take the lucky feet. Now you can just re-roll because you just don't like the look of that number. So it, it's, it goes from... And then you're also not using your... If you do roll a 1, then you say, I'm not using my feet lucky. I'm using my, my racial ability lucky instead. Which would be really confusing. Because it just seems confusing. <laughs> now, it is. another way you can play it is... You're not a halfling, but you're adventuring with a halfling. You've been adventuring for four levels now, and you've kind of watched them. You know that it's it's it is it's not just luck. It's kind of it's dumb luck. They accidentally don't get hit. They're like oh, and all of a sudden the the blade whizzes right by them. There's like I don't know why I didn't just die there, but I didn't. So you just kind of pick it up. You're like oh that's how, and you watch the move kind of like uh, Jackie Chan and Drunken Master. And he knows how to get out of it without seeming like he's trying to get out of it. So it'd be a way to flavor the the skill. He's like, I watched halflings for four levels. <laughs> now I know how they do it. I have dumb luck. Just like them now. And it's more it's it's stronger than their racial ability. Because I'm purposely doing it. Their theirs is is on in the background. They're not meaning to accidentally not get hit or accidentally not critically fumble you're purposely moving the way they move imitating their movements to be luckier or whatever then i can i can believe it and it doesn't feel as weird but at at the same time i don't know if it's if it's the shit you want to play you know you do you live your truth absolutely (laughs) Now, as a player, uh, you ha- I would say you, you would have to basically, from the few times that I've played, it is like patching up a boat. You have to find out where you're deficient in and try to figure out, most of the time, most players, if done right, or just had a bad 
rolled the dice when it came to rolling up your stats, it's a possible, it's, it is a possibility for you to be able to make up that lost point or points by using the attribute points versus the feats. I personally prefer uh, an early feat and then focus on stats shortly thereafter. That makes sense. And that way it's just, you have the, the extra, extra oomph, and I usually pick something that'll make a difference, even at my higher levels, uh, for my, like, for instance, for a caster. A war, the war caster, absolutely perfect from level 4 on to 20. You don't need to add anything more to it. Warcaster is pretty strong on its own. You're going to have plenty of skills and abilities that will piggyback off of that as you get stronger as a caster. So at that point, then you want to start focusing on things like maybe Constitution, because that might be a thing that might, might have been a throwaway stat for a, a caster. Yeah. Well, if you have free attribute points, I don't need to add anything else to my wisdom or intelligence or charisma. I could then focus on things like my dexterity or my constitution. I, I could either dodge better or I can take a bigger hit. Yeah, like uh, let's say your constitution sucks. Uh, you take tough as a caster because you, you know how to hit things. You just don't want to die every time something hits you. Take tough. Uh, your hit point maximum increases by the amount equal to twice your level. When you gain this feat. So at fourth level, you get eight more hit points, which is what doubling your hit point pool at the time. <laughs> yeah, damn near. <laughs> so you, and then uh, whenever you gain an extra level uh, after this, or your hit point maximum increases in an extra two hit points. So you, you increase your minimum hit points every level by two, hmm. which if you don't have many hit points per level anyways, it's a nice boost but imagine there's probably a lot more op things than that as a wizard and feats but what do you think about um curating feats for specific players say you can either take your attribution points or you can take these four feats because of how you've been adventuring for the last four levels these four feats are the things that I'm willing to let you take. I would say I like that idea. It would work with new players. Old players are going to be like, what the fuck, man? Pardon my language. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to flip the table. They're yeah. going to be like, why can't I? Why are you saying that I can do this? I've always been able to just choose my feet. Why all of a sudden are you choosing for me? Uh, so new players might not even yeah. bring that in. Like, okay, yeah, I'll take this one. This one, that sounds great. Whereas an old player might have a problem with it. Yeah. See, I, I like the idea, but again, it's one of those ideas that it sounds like work. <laughs> it does sound like X, and you're again, it's one of those things. As a DM, you're already juggling a lot of things, so yeah. you're just adding another thing, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah. taking consideration how many feats there are, we're looking at just the DMG yeah. or the player's handbook. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that's just the player's handbook. There are plenty in the additions that came after. That's not even to mention if they decide to want to do uh, some kind of a homebrew that you're like, hey, can we can we do this feat since it's homebrewed, but it fits my character perfectly, but... 42. <laughs> 42 feats. In the player's handbook. New players? I have, I have no idea why they wouldn't go for that. Because yeah. as a player, when you first start, I think the... 
the thing that turns people mostly off is that there are so many choices. Yeah, it's uh, choice paralysis. Correct. You have too much freedom, therefore you, you just don't know what to do. Um, restricting the freedom to a point where you have its multiple choice instead of any answers right, you feel more free. Mm-hmm. And that might be the way to go with new players. Uh, I haven't done it myself, but it, that actually thinking about it now might be the best way to go from here on forward. For me, as a DM, that's a very interesting idea to think about. But that, that would work well, for new players. Let's say, I think the, the best way to do it would probably be, uh, like any multiple choice, have A, B, C, or D, and then E, other, explain. Hmm. Let's say these four I'm comfortable with, no questions asked. But that fifth one, you have you better have a real good reason why this why why your uh, um your pacifist is really good at tavern brawl. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> why why you need to know how to use uh improvised weapons. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> Peaceful until he's not. So that does it for the warm-up. Yeah, it sounds like it. All right. So that does it for the warm-up, guys. Now let's go on to the melee. Woo! From the last melee, I chose the Awakened Tree to face off against D-Master B's creation and setting. The Awakened Tree is a very interesting creature being plant. It's a little bit of everything. An Awakened Tree is an ordinary tree given sentience and mobility by the Awakened spell or of similar magic. In this case, we look at what Awaken is. Now, Awaken as a spell is a bard or druidic spell. It is a 5th level transmutation spell. It uses components of visual, somatic, and material. So the material component is an agate worth 1000 GP, which the spell consumes. So it's a very, very pretty geode rock. Nice. After spending the casting time, which it takes eight hours to cast, it is a ranged touch attack, uh, and duration is instantaneous. After spending the casting time tracing magical pathways within a precious gemstone, which would be the agate, you touch a huge or smaller beast or plant. The target must have either no intelligence score or an intelligence of 3 or less. The target gains an intelligence of 10. The target also gains the ability to speak one language you know. If the target is a plant, it gains the ability to move its limbs, roots, vines, creepers, which I've never heard of before, and so forth. And it gains senses familiar to a human's. Your DM chooses statistics appropriate for the awakened plant, such as the statistics for the Awakened Shrub or the Awakened Tree. The Awakened Beast or Plant is charmed by you for 30 days or until you or your companions do anything harmful to it. When the charmed condition ends, the Awakened Creature chooses whether to remain friendly to you based on how you treated it while it was charmed. It is a very interesting druidic spell. Hmm. And it makes sense that a druid would make tree friends. I have ideas. <laughs> oh. Just just hearing that spell, it, it's giving me uh, an idea. Um, Druids, as far as yeah, they draw their ninth, powers. Ninth level is when they get the fifth level spell, right? 
The spell slot to cast yes. away from. Yes. So at ninth level, every single day they can make a new tree friend. Yes. And then they can be a tree god. But how many agates can you find that are worth a thousand GP? Well, if you have a, I guess if you're level nine, you could have already amassed a good wealth. Yeah. And if you're a druid, you don't really need much. Yeah. I mean, you sell your underwear and buy more rocks. Or if you have, or if you're a a dwarf, Mm. a dwarf druid, you would know your way around a mountain and know where to get. Sniff Neblin, Sniff Sniff Neblin, a deep gnome. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I mean, you'd know how to get get them. So yeah, that sounds fucking cool. Yeah, and you can keep doing that as long as you have the components. Every single day. Yes. However, the casting time is at eight hours, so you spend a majority of the day doing it. It is a literal job if you're doing it every day. Yeah, but if you're if you're making yourself an you army, know, an army of trees, which I want, <laughs> <laughs> trees and or shrubs. The shrubs could be ponds. You could always use the ponds ahead of the trees. Well, can you imagine an awakened forest? Right? Is that how ents came about? No. Ents Some... are actually a very different creature altogether. I actually had to look it up and see as to whether or not ants and or awakened trees are the same thing. They are not. They are a totally different monster altogether. Now, why would you cast awaken on a shrub, though? Could be what's available at the moment in time. Maybe you're in a desert. Not a good point. Wouldn't you do like cactus? Then would your slam attack get uh, piercing damage and poison or and bludgeoning damage? That would be why you have your DM stat it for you. Ah, that sounds like more work. It is a lot more work. <laughs> okay, they're similar, but they're different in that trends can be or tree ends can be. Awakened by nature's magic. A place steeped with nature's magic. Is that basically some bullshit saying that God is casting Awaken? Well, the druids drew their, draw their power from nature's magic, too. Yeah. So, like, so, a, a, nature, a nature deity is casting Awaken on the trees, and instead of calling them Awaken trees, they're treants. Basically. They're drinking the juice. And they're, they're living. I mean, they're also... Challenge rating nine instead of two. Yes. So, a little bit better at being a walking tree. Yes. They take on more humanistic or humanoid type attributes, whereas an awakened tree is a tree just that can move. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, the trance, tree ants uh, have similarities with the awakened tree. They are essentially awakened trees. Although their awakening is under very special circumstances, whereas the awakened tree, not to be confused with a tree ant, which is also an awakened tree, is one that is awakened through a druidic a druid's will, essentially, or their direct involvement. Whereas a tree ant, it seems like it's a more naturalistic event. So there's the differences there also. As D Master B has mentioned, there is definitely a difference when it comes to CR rating. You're looking at a CR 9 for the Treant and a CR 2 for the Awakened Tree. Alright, let's get into the stats.
The awakened tree is a huge plant. It is also unaligned. Although, if you want to give it some flavor, you can always make it evil. You can always make it good. So you can add characteristics like uh, it's a brighter colored tree to be signify a more good tree. Maybe something akin to a tree that has lost all of its leaves and is a dark wood to signify an evil tree. Uh, its armor class is 13. It has natural armor. The speed is 20 feet. Its HP is 59 hit points. Or 7012 plus 14. I'm going to attempt to roll. So hit points is our 59. Or you can roll 7012 plus 14, which I did, and we have 62 that I rolled out. So it's up to you as to whether or not you want to keep it at 59. 59 is pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to roll out your HP, you can do that as well. For our melee, we will always use the we will always use the average hit points. The speed is 20 feet. Its strength is a plus four. Dexterity minus two. A constitution plus two. Intelligence of zero, a wisdom of zero, and a charisma of minus two. The dexterity, obviously, it's a rooted huge plant. It's not really going to move with the quickness of a normal humanoid who isn't rooted. Damage resistances include bludgeoning and piercing. Its damage vulnerabilities, it is a tree, is of course fire. <gasps> fire. Fire bad. Uh, languages, it has one language known by its creator, as I mentioned before, by the Awakened Spell. The challenge rating is a 2. It will give you 450 experience points if that's what you're running on. Some people choose not to run on experience points, but for those that do, there you go. It has the False Appearance skill. While the tree remains motionless, it is indistinguishable from a normal tree. It makes sense because it was basically just a sentient tree. It is still a tree. <laughs> the actions it has. It has a slam attack. The melee weapon attack is a plus six to hit. It has a reach of ten feet. And one target can receive 3d6 plus four or 14 points of damage of the bludgeoning variety. Wow. It's a pretty big hit. That is a pretty big hit. It is a pretty big tree. Rules of the Melee. At the end of each episode, we roll d12s. The winner has first pick of monster. The loser must secretly pick a monster of the same CR and DM the next melee. The DM must craft an encounter for the two to meet. Now, the melee. As you lumber through the forest of Neldine, on your still freshly awakened roots, 
You see the spots again. 15-foot spots of dead ground, along with tufts of feathers and fur inside them. These odd omens were present on your awakening day. The, is this the sign of another awakening? Is it the trail of your creator? Or the leavings of some monstrous evil beast? The air starts to thicken with an acrid fog as you follow the strange dead circles. Would you like to do anything? <laughs> I'm following the strange dead circles. Roll perception. 15 plus 0. As you follow along, you come up to one of these circles and you're you you're kind of inspecting it, looking around trying to figure out what's it all about. You hear a sickening snap of a branch. Being a tree, you feel your heart sink a bit or you don't have a heart, you're a tree. <laughs> and you look around, and then you hear rustling of, uh, of leaves, and then you feel the wind. You see something flash by your eyes and take up roost in a, uh, a massive oak. I will go into false appearance. I'll just okay. freeze. Okay. As you freeze, this, this thing swooshes by, and you hear you hear a... Uh, you what what you recognize as a uh, squirrels i mean you you've had a couple live in you in your time as an actual tree mm-hmm. and then you hear as the squirrel is that the, it's uh it's death throes and you hear the, the it's it's dying breath as it as it's devoured and then you hear more rustling of branches and you see the the figure again as it, it picks up roost in, in you as a tree. And you notice it's a little baby dragon. Oh, <laughs> man. Can I tell what kind of dragon this is? I guess it doesn't matter because my tree wouldn't know. Well, roll wisdom, wouldn't it be? Intelligence? Yeah, intelligence. Wisdom is more like common sense. That's a ten. Ten? That's a ten as ten. Uh it is a very dark coloration. With a ten, that's about all you get. Hmm. I will continue to observe, but be a tree ass tree. You'd be a tree ass tree? Yeah, tree ass tree. Okay, this this little dragon is is kind of working its way around your branches and Every once in a while, it just kind of starts gnawing, like it's uh, sharpening its teeth. Mm. And you know, everyone, you feel that little tinge as it snaps. One one little, you know, the smallest of branches just snaps it off, and keeps working around. And then you feel it just scratching at the side of you. I'm gonna give it a warning spot. Well, you're. False appearance would mean uh, roll initiative, mm-hmm. and you get the, you get the surprise. I got a through one, through one. 
Yes, I roll a three. It's got a minus two to dexterity, <laughs> so it's a one. <laughs> so that's my initiative. Uh, my attack, we will see. It is surprised that Jeez. you are not a tree asteroid. That is 16 to hit. 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you swing, your your dexterity does kind of hinder you a bit. As, as you start swinging at it, it twitches a bit and it just jumps onto another branch and you miss. Ah. Damn, that's a huge uh, AC. Yeah. I mean, it's CR2, so I can imagine. Okay. So it now is aware of your sentience. Oh, man. And it is going to try to recharge. It does. You, you startle it. Make a constitution saving throw. Oh, shit. That is a five. <laughs> okay. That is a good number for me. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's full damage. So that's ten. Eight plus four. Twenty-two. Twenty-two okay. poison damage. As it sprays in, in reaction to your swatting, it goes, spits at you. Oh man! And it and it kind and it comes out of your branches and is flying. It's flying. Would yeah. that? No, it's still within within your area. Within melee range. Yeah, it doesn't fly up. It doesn't fly away at my range. It does not provoke an opportunity attack. Yeah. Okay. All right. So he's going to go in front of the slime, because that's what I do. I slam things with my branches. When you have baseball bats for hands, you might as well use them. That's an 11. He's no hit. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. I'm switching that sucker out. (laughs) So you swing an arm again, and it just nimbly floats out of the way. Hmm. It actually... As you swing by it, just rides your hand for a half a second as it watches you. It, it It's almost like it's taunting you now. Mm. And it's going to... It is not, does not recharge. So it's going to nip at you. 20 plus numbers. Plus four, 24 to hit. 24 actually hits. Nice. Where's my other dices? What kind of damage is it? This is piercing. Okay. So you take half of that. 10. So half of 10. So five. Of piercing. And then. Oh, man. You take five poison damage. Oh, jeez. So, ten total. Nice. Oof. Not looking good. My leaves are starting to wilt. I'm going to do what I do best. Go with a slam. Again, that's a 16. It's not a hit. No. You might be going 3-0 and today. Right? <laughs> okay, it attempts to recharge. And it does... 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Constitution saving throw. Uh, that is a 13. Okay. Twenty-eight, half of twenty-eight, so fourteen. Fourteen. Take fourteen. Oof, I'm not looking good at all. Okay. As it spits at you again. Oof. Well, last of the attacks, I guess, or trying to at least. That's another sixteen. <laughs> Jeezy, crazy. Yeah, this this dragon is just. It's too nimble. Yes. As you keep just swatting like a fly. Yes. With a plus six, I would at least have thought to get up at above a ten. But I right? cannot for some reason or another. I switched that dice again. We'll see if that works. It fails to recharge. It's going to nip at you again. Fifteen plus four. Nineteen. Fifteen. So that's half that? No, 19 as in... That's half? No, that's the uh, AC. Oh, yeah, that definitely hits. Yeah. Okay. So four piercing. Okay. And six poison. Oh, man. I have to do some math here. I'm right there. I'm splintering. Nice. Okay. Okay. Let's see if there's luck in this dice. Nope. <laughs> That's eight plus six. It's fourteen. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 mocking you now. It's it's <laughs> it's grabbing leaves off of you while while you're while you're swinging. It just picks out a leaf off your branch it's it's almost like a uh, uh, person attending to a bonsai tree as it picks the perfect leaf to pluck out and you feel little little annoyances oh man as you swat at this annoying little fly and it's going to try to recharge the breath. no recharge 12 to hit that does not hit. Thank goodness. Gets a little cocky as it tries to nip again and it just clamps down on itself as like, Oh man. Feels embarrassed a little bit. Don't be. <laughs> Finally. Twenty, not Nat. That hit. That's a dirty twenty. It's got a seventeen AC. Alright. So that would be. Three, six, plus four of bludgeoning damage. So that is 14 points of bludgeoning damage, which is actually the standard. So I rolled standard. Nice. Yeah, that was a pretty big hit. A couple more of those. Oh, man. Okay. No recharge. Is that net 20? 
No, not that time. <laughs> it's an 18, so... That definitely hits. Yeah. 22. Okay. 10 piercing. So you take 5 of piercing and 5 poison. 10 total. Alright, DM, how do you want to do this? <laughs> as the as the uh, green dragon wormling is is um, flying around your head, just mocking every every step, it finally finds the the uh, the agate and where where it where it is in you and it it directs its attack there and it tears out your stone heart and throws it away as you lose you, and you are reverted back to tree-ass tree. And it slowly, over over the days, it slowly picks apart the bark on your, on your no longer sentient tree, and it plucks every individual leaf from its branches. It is doing this out of spite. To let you know, you don't mess with a green dragon in its forest. Cool down breakdown. Cool down breakdown. All right, man, that was a hell of an attack there. That dragon is uh, a little overwhelming, I'm not going to lie. That breath attack. You know, I'm not going to lie, as a DM... To get your breath weapon recharged that many times right? is a feat all on its own. I figured I figured I'd, I would only get the breath, the uh, poison breath once, which is that's all you really need. After that, you're just it's just embarrassing. <laughs> yes, after that, it, it's yeah that that really hurt a lot because I have no resistance against that. However, I did have resistance against your bite. Yeah. And that was my saving grace, but that poison damage, I had nothing to answer for it. Um, that's a hell of a battle. Uh, yeah. Let's. So what could we have done differently? I mean, me, me as a tree, there are very limited options there. Uh, as far as roll better, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it would have been a better tactic for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the luck sometimes lies directly in the dice. Uh, not always with the the player stats or the character stats and all that jazz. And sometimes, as a DM or as a player, the dice are not always in your favor. Oh no, they never are. <laughs> but... So, what about the green dragon? Is there a better tactic that could have been used for the dragon? Oh, oh, definitely. I could have, uh, I could have made it made it a lot harder for you. Mm. But after I after I popped off a couple uh, breath wep- or poison breaths. I figured, why? Like, at, at that point, green dragons are pretty, are very underhanded. They're very, they're dicks. They're assholes. So after it kind of pops off a couple and realizes it's it's winning, it's not gonna it's not gonna dodge and weave as much. It's gonna make fun of you and and poke fun of you as it as it still just viciously attacks you. But um, yeah, it's got a it's got a fly speed. So I could have just popped out and and uh, I got I could have got out of your range and just kept 
uh, spamming breath attack, mm-hmm. and you really couldn't do anything about it. That's true, because a tree does not fly, nor does it yeah. have anything to yeah. as a projectile. Yeah, and it's got. Uh, I mean, its poison breath is a what, fifteen foot cone. What's your reach? Ten feet. Ten feet. So I could have just right out of it. Yeah, yeah I, I could have just kept spamming that one and just followed you and rained down. As a green dragon probably would do. Yeah, which is what the little spots were of, <laughs> of where it shoots at a squirrel and just and shoots at a bird. And yeah. That's that's what the whole tactic was yeah. with the green dragon. That makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, no, that was a really well done. So tell me more about the green dragon. What is it? What is its stats? What is its uh where does okay. it come from? Okay, on to the stats. Green dragon wormlings are uh, very dark green, sometimes even mistaken for uh, black dragon wormlings. Uh, uh, their scales, they, they lighten up as they grow older. They also grow larger and thicker as they age. They have a, a, a large uh, spiny crest that goes from their forehead down to the tip of their tail. They got long, a lot longer limbs than most other dragons compared to their body size. Uh, wormlings are are five and under, so babies to toddlers. They only know one language, which is draconic, which is why I asked you before, what is that one language that your tree knows? And because if it was draconic, then it would be taunting you the whole time in draconic. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Now that makes that puts a lot of a lot of things in perspective. Um, so a lot of the a lot of the uh, the lore pertains to green dragons in general, and as a baby dragon, it doesn't really make as much sense. I mean, it goes into the green dragon layer, which is it's uh, the acrid smell and the thick fog. That's what you get in a green dragon layer. My wormling is. The baby of a green dragon, so it is still within its perimeter, mm-hmm. but it's it's not specific to a green dragon or wormling. They are manipulative schemers, uh, wily and subtle creature. Green dragons blend or bend other creatures to their will uh, by assessing and playing off the deepest desires of other creatures. Foolish enough to attempt to subdue green dragons, eventually realizing that the creature is only pretending to serve while assessing its master. So, a green dragon wormling might easily be captured by a wizard, especially a low-level wizard. And the green dragon would... I don't know if it would be a low-level because with the amount of damage you were doing, I don't know if a low-level wizard would be able to but, but hold a, its own... A, a, a green dragon would seem like it was caught by a, a wizard and play along as long as it was fun. And then as soon as the wizard got too demanding and just annoying, they just, you know, eat its face at night and stuff like that. They love to manipulate people. They love to, to uh, um, screw with you. Uh, they're, uh, capricious hunters. 
They hunt by patrolling the forest territories by air and by the ground. Uh, it eats any creature it can see and will consume shrubs and small trees hmm. when hungry enough. But their favorite prey are the elves. So, good to know. Right? Uh, I want to say I have, a, I have a couple elves in my campaign. Might be worth using that against them. Yeah. <laughs> they have a favorite enemy. Uh, they also like collecting creatures. Um, an older green dragon might actually collect awakened trees <laughs> as bits of treasure. That makes sense. So it, it's a unique, you're, you're a unique creature that is only created by druids of a certain level. So killing the druid and taking its tree sounds super neat for a green dragon to do. So you'd have a bunch of minions that, that to get to the, the, the big bad, uh, you would have to go through all these different uh, creatures that the green dragon is, you know, pressed into service. But at the same time, these creatures aren't just the army. It is also its treasure. It's like, hey, I've got, I've got a one-eyed elf and uh, a, a bugbear with with half gray and half half blue. This weird bugbear, but it's mine. You know, it it loves that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah, but other than that, it's. I don't really want to go too deep into the. Lore until we go into the yeah because it is big boy dragon. Yeah, this is that's about as much as pertains to a little baby dragon because it it's still it doesn't even know common yet. It 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 just talks to mom. It doesn't talk to anyone else. And I believe that dragons do have a pretty strong family structure at the very beginning yeah. for them, but they will leave. They will leave the green to a little baby wormling mm -hmm. after a certain point. Yeah. So onto the stat. Uh, Green Dragon Wormling is a medium dragon. They're lawful evil. Its armor class is 17. Natural armor, it's the scales. That's wonder, pretty high. That is pretty high. Yeah. That is almost plate armor. Plate yeah. armor is always 18, which is oof, hard to roll against. Hit points are 38 mm. or 78 plus 7. So I rolled 40. Yeah, I rolled two above average. So yeah, that's not bad. Uh, they have a, uh, a speed of 30, a fly speed of 60, so they're twice as fast in the air as they are in the ground, and a swim speed of 30. Uh, strength plus two, dex plus one, con plus one, int plus one, wisdom zero, Prism of one or plus one. So no negative stats. Yeah, no wow. negatives. Only two plus twos. Uh saving throws. It's good at Dex, Con, Wiz, and Charisma, all plus three, or plus three except for Wiz is plus two. Skilled at perception and stealth. Immune to poison and the poisoned condition. Because it's a poison dragon. Uh, it's got blind sight to 10 feet, dark vision to 60 feet, passive perception of 14, 
Wow. You can see in the dark or you can see without seeing. The sight beyond sight. Yes. <laughs> uh, challenge rating 2, uh, 450 XP. Uh, it's amphibious. It can breathe air and water. It's got a bite, which is plus 4 to hit. 1d10 plus 2 of piercing damage and a d6 of poison damage. That's a lot of damage for that's a wormling. Yeah, and that's the that's the standard. I didn't get my breath recharge, so it's also got a poison breath recharges five and six on a d six. Dragon expels poisonous gas in a fifteen foot cone. Each creature in the area must make a DC eleven Constitution saving throw, or take twenty one or six d six poison damage on a failed save, half on a successful. So. That was pretty powerful, especially since I got it off, what, three, four times? Yeah, it was up there. I was getting to work uh, tw- uh, three times. Yeah, three. three times? I think so. I, I bit you twice. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty big hit. Those are pretty, yeah, those are, I mean, if that 14, if that had been a full one, that would have, I would have just been done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that would have been, what, 38? No, 28. 20 points of damage, plus 22 from the one before. Ugh. But again, I mean... That's 50 points. That's just one bite away from being just done. (laughs) But um, just like the last time where you are big and bulky and you've got a lot of hit points. Mine, not as many hit points and a lot of damage. But what its main attack isn't a lot of damage. It's for a for a, a challenge rating two. It's decent, but it's that that possible. Mm. attack the recharge you put it on a recharge make it less likely to hit so but when it hits oh boy yeah but again only 38 uh hit points if you're if you if you guys really get on it you can uh clean it up pretty quick mm-hmm. but yeah that's the green dragon green dra- wormling the wormling little baby all right so that's it for the cooldown breakdown. Now let's go ahead and roll out our next episode. Seven. Two. Or three. Yes! Alright, you won. Gargoyle. <laughs> Snap, what's the CR on that? I, I just shut the book, I don't know. <laughs> Challenge two. Okay, we're back in CR2s. Alright. And of course, the monsters already used are off the table. So now it's up to see what I can come up with in CR2. The songs Flying Kerfuffle, Blown Away, Kick Shock, and Laser Pack are by Kevin McLeod at Incomputech. Licensed under Creative Commons at Attributions 4.0. Creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. Bye-bye. <laughs>